Hi, hello everyone. Welcome to Podbytes. Hello, Sawan. Hello, Sandeep. Hello, Akshad. Hello, Palash. Hello, Parikshit. Hi, Shanti. Hi, Parish. This is a Podbytes show. Podbytes is a talk show that we created to have live, interactive discussion with key opinion leaders of the podcast industry. We're live on Castbox every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks everyone for joining. And I would like to welcome everyone here. This is a Podbytes talk show. I would like to address to our listeners, please join our interactive discussion. You can leave your comments and ask questions. Okay, very clear. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Rene. Um, now we are ready to start. And before we start the interview, I already mentioned we, already, we are going to have a very interesting guest today. We're going to uh, have a very interesting interview. But before we start the interview, I would like to talk about the news of the industry. Voxnest mm-hmm. just released the top growing podcasting countries. The data shows the increase in lessons. Out of five top growing geographies for March 2019, four are Spanish-speaking. Chile leads the group with a growth of almost 48%. It is followed by Argentina, Peru, Mexico, and lastly, China. What will be the most interesting is to see how this boom evolves. Will we see more Spanish-language content emerging and will a Spanish market finally be able to knock America of the top spot of highest monthly unique streams. Yeah, that's a very interesting competition. Moving on, Universal Music Group announced that it partners with podcast production firm Wondery, reporting Los Angeles Times. Universal says it is working with Wondery on audio stories that could later be developed into films or TV shows. West Hollywood-based Wondery is known for developing true crime dramas such as Dirty John and Dr. Death. Under the deal, Wondery can use licensed music from UMG Giants Music Catalog in its podcasts and can develop podcasts around stories about UMG artists. One more. Vox Media has acquired Epic Magazine reporting the rap. Epic was founded six years ago by journalists George Davis and Joshua Bierman to publish true stories that get noticed. I had a chance to meet George Davis in person. I was at the event at GE Grottenville Leadership Center and George was invited to speak there. He's a very interesting and creative person. So congrats on the deal. Epic, which has over 40 film and TV projects currently in development, will remain an independent division within Vox Media Studios. Epic's first television show, Little America, is forthcoming on the app, new Apple streaming service later this year. Now I'm going to wel- welcome our listeners. We are having a bunch of you guys here. Thanks, everyone, for joining. We have Jane. We- Jane Dockey welcome, Dmitry Zakravsky, uh, welcome, Susan Williamson-Herano is coming, Sally Mehteb is coming. Yeah, thank you guys. Keith McGill, welcome. Chris, welcome. Zach, welcome. Kitan, welcome. Panama G. the Barber, <laughs> welcome, guys. Thank you for joining. Now, a few interesting facts from CastBox. 
the keyword Game of Thrones has been searched for more than 25,000 times worldwide last week. Listen to the show on CastBox and don't forget to leave your comments in the app with the hashtag GOT. One more. The user who used CastBox for the longest time during March spent approximately 26.8 days on CastBox. Wow, it's even longer than we spent in the office working so hard. Poor guy, let me know if you are listening to us right now. And finally, the most played show last week in CastBox is the Joe Rogan Experience, which is played more than 400,000 times. Oh my God, well, that doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest. Now, well, we are going to talk to our guest. Let me introduce our guest now. Uh, we are ready to start our interview. Our guest today is an investor, John Zagula, managing director and founding partner of Ignition Capital. John was also a founding managing director of Teaming Ventures in China. He serves on the boards of directors and as an investor and as an advisor to several private companies with operations in both the United States and China, including CastBox. Prior to that, John was general manager of global marketing for Microsoft Corporation. He spent in Microsoft nearly a decade in several senior marketing and strategy positions. John is an investor, advisor, marketing expert, author, and a professor of business and entrepreneurship at the University of Washington. Hi, John. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hi, Valentina. Thank you for having me, and thanks for that uh, very glowing introduction. I'm uh, humbled by what you had to say. So excited to uh, excited to be here. Thank you so much again. Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you here. Let me remind to our listeners that we have option to ask questions. So please type your questions in the small chat window or you may call in uh, and ask your questions. So please join our interactive discussion. To start with, uh, we would like to talk about podcast markets. So in this show, we are discussing podcasts in the industry from the different angles. And recently, we are seeing rise of podcasts. So rise of podcasts, uh, I mean, because of for various reasons, because of technical uh, reasons because of uh, just people changing their habits. So I would like to talk more about that. Um, and my question to John is, uh, what what do you think about that? What are the main reasons for the rise of the podcasts? So if I understand your question, it's really kind of why why are our podcasts really growing and rising and becoming a big phenomenon? And uh, I want to say I'm personally extremely excited about that. I've been listening to podcasts since they really first came out. And and I think they've been rising for a long time, uh, but really started to take off more recently. And, and maybe there's three ways to look at this. The, the first is really where did podcasts begin? Uh, and, you know, what, what started them? And uh, from both a need and then a, uh, a technology perspective, and then also a consumer perspective. So, Podcasts actually have a long and venerable history, uh, and I say that in, in terms of Internet years. They've been around for a really long time. 
the term podcasting was actually invented in 2004 um, by the BBC and Guardian journalist Ben Hammersley, who really looked at that as a way to describe what was becoming a, a portable and on-demand way for people to listen uh, and also cast uh, content, interactive and really interesting content broadly. So that term has been around for a really long time. It came out of, really out of the history of blogging um, with the rise of RSS uh, as a spec and a technology for sharing and, and broadcasting uh, personally authored information. But it was an important step in evolution in that it was a lot better than just uh, blogging because you could express a lot more and connect with people more directly and also just have a lot more fun than just writing everything down. So it's really uh, the culmination of those. And it, it really started to take off in 2005. And what's been really interesting is even back then, there was this combination of individual creators and media creators. So there were a lot of radio shows and radio producers, whether that's NPR or BBC that got in the game pretty quickly and started podcasting uh, their content so people could get it at any time. But there even then was a rise of individuals who wanted to be heard uh, and, and found this is a really easy and useful tool. And I guess that leads me to why I think this is taking off. You know, we do live in a more and more crowded world of information all the time. We're all staring at our phones and having uh, having something that gives you a break from that, uh, that allows you to connect and listen and be informed and entertain without actually having to stare at your phone is a big deal. And I, and I think overall, the thing that isn't new is that people want to both listen and be heard. And that's both creators and listeners. And listeners, you know, they just want to find, I'm one of them, but we want to find yeah. engaging, interesting information about things that we're really passionate about, not just what everybody sends all the time, but the things we're particularly passionate about. And what's so great about podcasting and what is really caught on even to the biggest content producers and distributors is that that can happen. The smallest, the longest part of the tail uh, in the internet can be connected to the people who care about it most passionately, either those who have something to say about it or those who really want to listen to it. And so for those creators, you know, and, and some people say, you know, you, they've told me I have a face designed for radio. So you can take that the way you want to, but it's a lot easier and, and than, maybe really producing a high-end video to be able to just record something and, and do that in a fun way and share it uh, and, and connect with people in a more intimate and, and emotionally connected way than you would just authoring written content. And, and so I do think that all those things coming together have started to make this take off uh, where more and more content distribution vehicles are out there, but now it's starting to saturate the rest of the market. So I, I it's, I think it's always been something super interesting, uh, but right now all those pieces, the technology, the distribution, and just the stage of hungriness on the part of broad base of consumers everywhere to have something that's very specific to them, those things are coming together and really driving a lot of momentum. Uh, agree. Um, let's talk a little bit more about development of technologies so you just mentioned that uh, everything is combined together at the moment but what would you say about recent technological 
improvements and new gadgets, things like that? Well, I think maybe along the same lines, you know, there's there's a way to look at uh, and I've been investing in technology. And I, I want to caveat this by saying I'm not an expert. I've been in the technology world and investing in it for longer than I'd like to admit. Uh, but there's a few key things that that all have to play at the same time. There's the software pieces, whether that's delivered as a service or, you know, on a uh, through uh, a browser or on a device or whatever else. Um, there's core protocols and standards that have to go along with that that make it easy and tools that make it easy for everybody to participate in a way that uh, can reach large numbers. And then there is hardware and devices that actually can create new opportunities and new ways to interact. That's been going on since the beginning of podcasting. So even in the beginning, you really had to see the emergence of MP3 as a format in order for anybody to listen to anything. And then you had to see, you know, the iPod become something that got mass distributed to be easy enough to use and inexpensive enough to use as a as a device, which obviously evolved into mobile phones. And then you did need to see RSS uh, come forward as a as a means to distribute and find and index all of this content that really brought that all together. Um, what's been great is to see that the ability for creators and users to make that happen has gotten only easier, right? So uh, that I think has been really, really important. And you've seen the rise of a lot of tools, but also really easy to use uh, listening, um, uh, you know, listening applications, CastBox being clearly one of them. Um, but I think it's also, you know, what, what's started to happen that's really exciting is, is new, new interfaces and new means of interacting, whether that's, I think it goes beyond podcasting. So the, the whole rise of natural human interfaces that are not necessarily just staring at a screen and typing or touching as exciting as touch screens have been. It's really being able to interface with a computer or that compute power anywhere and that connectivity anywhere much more naturally. And voice is one of the most natural ways we interact and communicate with each other. It, in fact, is yeah. probably it's the first way we communicated with each other. And so you see the rise of Alexa with Echo or Google Voice, or you see this in uh, automotive where people really want to be safe and do things that are hands-free in a much more natural way. And obviously, spoken word is, is a key part of that. And so that's a very, very exciting development. Right. But honestly, along with that development of a new form of interacting, the underlying software technology has to get better with it. So it can't actually get harder to find things and harder to listen to them when you take your hands away. Uh, and thus, things like search uh, and curation and personalization become all that much more important. And that's one of the things I'm excited about with CastBox is that's one of the areas where they've really been leaders already from the very beginning. So, you know, what, what I really believe is true about podcasting is this highly personalized, highly passionate group of people, and they need that to be seamless. And so you need to be able to find the stuff you're personally really interested in, and you, that needs to be easy, and you need to be able to interact. And so those innovations beyond just these hardware things are, are critical, and that's why even what we're doing today with Livecast is really, really exciting because I think it's it's intensifying both the ease of interaction, but also the intensity of that interaction for this highly engaged audience of both creators and listeners.
Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, you can create, uh, your podcast and you can interact with your listeners uh, and everything is in the same app. That's, that's true. And, uh, I feel it's, it's convenient. Um, you mentioned voice assistants. Do you use any of the voice assistants? I'm just curious. Uh, I use, I definitely use the Echo. Uh, I get a hard time for using that for my kids because they think it sounds a little weird. I don't use it in the office. Uh, I end up using Siri accidentally. Uh, and then I definitely use, uh, Siri, uh, in, in, uh, my car with CarPlay. Uh, that's a pretty natural thing. Uh, and then obviously just, you know, uh, dictation is something I use constantly. Right. And how do you listen to your podcasts usually? I always use CastBox. Yeah. <laughs> and that's in my car. That's when I'm on my, when I'm biking, when I'm hiking, when I'm walking, I'm using it with my, you know, AirPods now, uh, which I hope get even better uh, and, and easier to use. But uh, that's, that's how I do it. Yeah. Okay. So you use multiple devices. Nice. That's good. Um, yeah, moving on. Um, I want to talk about, uh, the content a little bit. And, um, do you think there is a trend that people who are not from the media industry start creating their podcasts? I, absolutely, absolutely. It's not just a trend. I think it's something that's been, as I said, there from the very beginning. Uh, I think, that even in the very beginning, there was both an interest in the part of those who already are media players, who have a content library and a bunch of really terrific talent. But there's also a universe of people who, frankly, are just really interested or have a specific area of expertise, and they want to share it. Uh, by the way, that, that happened really at the beginning with YouTube, where it was really wacko, weird things that people were willing to do. Uh, but now it's gotten to the point where the, you know, everybody sort of expects to have super high production values and everything else. And you don't really have to do that, uh, with podcasting, which is, it's really all about the passion and the quality of the content itself. And that can come from anybody. Uh, I'll give you two examples that I think are kind of fun. Um, yeah, that would be very so, fun. You know, like I, I did already mention this, you know, look, I love the BBC and I listen to some of their podcasts. Like, you know, for example, In Our Time is just a terrific podcast. I love NPR. I love the Tiny Desk concerts. You always discover something there. So not at all opposed to, to media uh, industry doing this. But, you know, a friend of mine here, Ben Gilbert, who is a founder, he's an investor in a, and he's a he's a co-founder of Pioneer Square Labs, which is a you know, an entrepreneurial incubator here in Seattle. Um, you know, he just is super interested in how companies got formed and how, you know, how they evolved. And then the kind of fun story of, gee, companies exit, you know, they, there's all these unicorns we hear about all the time and there's the companies that get sold or IPO'd. So he and a friend decided to create a podcast called Acquired, which really looks backwards at, uh, you know, IPOs and acquisitions that happened before, you know, Tesla uh, and others and and kind of deconstruct. Was that a good deal? Was that a bad deal? And it's turned into a really and they just did it for fun because they were interested in kind of their friends who are either VCs or entrepreneurs. It was just something almost like fantasy football that they wanted to talk about. They just celebrated their millionth download. And these guys are not professionals. Oh, that's a lot. They that's just, huge. 
they just they just have a really good time. And and actually, it's really interesting. We may talk about this later, but you know, you guys can we, listeners here, you can go to their. Uh, it's called Acquired. You can go uh, obviously on Castbox and go check out uh, one of their more recent. Uh, episodes, which is all about the Spotify acquisition of Gimlet and Anchor, uh, and kind of examining why that happened and was it good or bad is pretty interesting. Uh, I'll highlight one other one, which is completely different. Uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, Mike Duncan. Uh, so he is just a history buff, uh, who doesn't have a PhD or anything like that in history, which is really, really fascinated and love history. And he started out by doing something called the history of Rome. Uh, and that he just, he didn't think it was going to be that many episodes. It turned into a zillion episodes. He ended up doing tours, uh, you know, for people who wanted to go visit sites of the history of Rome. He ended up writing a book about the history of Rome that got published. Uh, he then started a new podcast called, um, Revolutions. I, I've listened to every single one of these things. I bought his T-shirts. Mm. He's done another book, uh, and he now moved to Paris so he can write a history of of Lafayette from the history of you know from the history of the uh, American Revolution. And this has become his living. Now I'm not saying everybody gets to do that, um, but he's turned something that really was just a passion into how he makes a living and, and a vehicle for uh, a lifestyle that is pretty exciting. And, and uh, you know, that's all just started from a personal passion. So both of those are, are really non-professionals. And, and I'll say in both cases, the last thing I'll say is they just got better. They started out, they were nervous. It didn't sound all so great. And they got better and better as they as they progressed and did more and more of it. So uh, it's a it's a wonderful uh, podcasting as a whole. And even this kind of thing now uh, with Livecast, where you have really passionate people getting to interact. I, I just think it's a it's a terrific thing. Speaking about interacting, let me remind to those who just joined us recently that we are uh, here discussing podcasts and podcasting industry. This is Podbytes, our live interactive show. And please feel free to ask your questions. You can just type them or please don't hesitate to call in and ask your questions. We are talking today with... Uh, John Zagula, who is expert in and in marketing and investor and advisor to startups. And we are discussing podcast industry. Uh, I would like to continue talking about uh, this niche content. So the both of the examples that you just shared, they are all about niche content, content targeting very specific communities. Uh, do you see this is a rising trend on the market? Yeah, I, again, I feel like um, you can look at podcasts and podcasting in two ways. You can look at it as a as a big medium, uh, and it can, you know, obviously there's the Joe Rogans of the world, and you know, there's all these big things that you give stars yet one more outlet uh, for their superstardom and creativity. And you even mentioned Game of Thrones as a search term. Obviously, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars have been put into producing Game of Thrones, so it's Yet one more thing, but I, I think part of what this this spoken audio revolution can do is give more people an opportunity to have a voice and to reach people, and not just people they know, but people anywhere. 
And so, and, and in some cases, I think it's exciting for people who, who maybe don't have as much of a voice as they should. And I just give one example here that is, is personally, uh, exciting to me and, uh, gratifying to me. So one of the companies that I'm an investor in and, and, uh, advisor to is called the Riveter. And I, I think you may have heard of, uh, other shared workspaces like, uh, WeWork. Um, but the Riveter is a, a shared yeah. work, workplace in multiple cities, as well as a professional network with all kinds of resources, uh, and, uh, content and connections with superstars of all different kinds, but really focused on women who want to make something out of their careers, either entrepreneurs or, you know, people who are in professions who really, um, need to help one another. Women are highly up, underrepresented in almost every category. There's almost no women venture capitalists, which is insane. Uh, in the tech industry, you know, women are ridiculously underrepresented. There's very few women CEOs, and that really all has to change. And the Riveter is so dedicated to that and so dedicated to giving people a voice. In their locations, they have podcast studios mm -hmm. for their members and the entrepreneurs and, and go-getters who are going out there and building their own their own businesses, an opportunity to connect and share their stories. Uh, and so I, I think big or small, um, I, I really think that this vehicle is, is really sort of a microphone, uh, and uh, to, to people who don't necessarily have as much of a voice as they should. And so anything that can accelerate those things is great. And I think, uh, this vehicle and this medium is, is, is a part of that. And that may be part of why it's actually coming on fire right now. And uh, how uh, are they are they producing their own content? So they they are actually it's really their members who are producing content. So they have thousands and thousands of members. Those members, uh, you know, are actually go in and use these workspaces as their offices. But they also then can use those studios and build their own, um, you know, build build their own uh, podcast shows. And so I think one of the things that they will be working on is how do they develop a channel uh, for all of those, the, their members, and, and as that membership continues to grow. But I think it's a really good idea. So this is uh, this sounds really exciting. So uh, do you think in the future every co-working space will be equipped with the recording equipment so people can record their podcasts? Is it the trend? Uh, well, I hope so, uh, but I hope they're slower to it than the Riveter so that the Riveter really beats them to the punch. Yeah, true. Let's hope for that. Nice. So before we move on, let me welcome our new listeners who just joined. Uh, hi, Sean. Hi, Vanya. Hi, Daniel. Uh, hi, Ashley. Hi, Joshua. Hi, Alex. Hi, Lalito. Hi, Brian. Hi, Wilfredo. Hi, John. Hi, Gabrielle, and I really appreciate that you guys joined us, and um, please don't hesitate to type your questions or give us a call to ask your questions. Today we're talking with an investor, John Zagula, and we are discussing podcast industry and creative industries in general. I want to talk about uh, some Business school stuff. Uh, you teach students of the business school the course on how to create business plan. When you come across some interesting ideas from creative industries, uh, how do you approach them? 
So, uh, so I thank you. I do, I do teach one course at the University of Washington. It's an entrepreneurship course. And you get all kinds of students. And I would say, uh, and they come from engineering. They come from media communications. They, they art students and business students. And that's fun and exciting. And, and I, I would say you see creativity all over the place, right? But I think what you're trying to describe is those where the field itself is about some form of creative content or, uh, you know, a, a, rather than, you know, a piece of equipment or, the science piece of software. There's something yeah. entertainment or kind of art, like that. Art, entertainment, um, right? Yeah, and, and I, I would say that there. And this is not. This is advice. I would say not just uh, or perspective, not just from teaching these young students, but also in my investing uh, career in what I've looked at. I, I think you see sort of two different categories of uh of new ideas and new companies i think there are and, and sometimes they overlap and blur but there's two really important things one is those who are building underlying uh tools that help those who are going to be creating great things and then there's the others who will have really great ideas about how to create something interesting and cool uh and i, I you know some examples of those you know there's a fashion company uh, that really was all about building great fashion, fun, sort of streetwear fashion for gamers who are really an underrepresented audience and, uh, you know, using character development and things like that in, in kind of blending fashion and content. Uh, seeing a music label that uh, was really developed for a niche set of audiences based here. Uh, another uh, clothing and apparel uh, group that was aimed at a target audience for people who have disabilities. And recently, uh, it may not sound like a media company, but it's a doll company that's really all about interacting uh, and creating highly personalized dolls uh, that you use your own uh, photography and everything else to build. Those are just some examples. I've also looked at... How you know, big is and, the doll? How, how big is the doll? I want to get it. It's a, it's a big doll, right? I mean, it's sort of, a, you know, it's a small... Uh, well, it can, there can be different sizes, right? Uh, this is very early. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's meant to be a doll for a, a small girl or, or for that matter, boy, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, you know, highly personalized and something that you would hopefully keep for a long time. Uh, but I've also seen at the same time, you know, one of what turned out to be one of the biggest video, uh, players in, in China, um, and actually a studio here in Seattle for those who are creating music and video, because it's, as you described already, more and more niche people want to create high quality stuff, but they don't necessarily always have the tools for it. Uh, what I guess when I look at those things, it's interesting because if you're building a tool, you need to make sure that you're connected to those who actually are making interesting content enough to get the ball rolling. If you're making interesting content, uh, you need to make sure that you get enough distribution, at least to somebody to get that going and get that started, because you can't be, if all you do is make one interesting new piece of content, you may make some money, but you won't turn that into a company. So there's lots of game studios that have been successful at one uh, game, but they don't turn that into a whole business unless they connect themselves in some way uh, to a distribution vehicle. Yeah, definitely. The last thing I guess 
Yeah, it's sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 just a brief comment. So I, I, I totally agree that uh, I always see an issue with scalability. This is what you are describing. Yeah, this is not easy. I agree. No, I think there's a tension in any business, any, in, in these that you also do have to find, uh, you, you know, the, the group of people who are going to find what you do exciting and fun. Uh, if you're creating something new, uh, and, and that is often, if you're really doing something that's in the creative space, I, I really believe it's as much about, um, clever, fun, interesting, compelling, and it's very often about the writing, uh, and kind of the, as it is about the beauty of the visuals. You know, think about every show that you've watched, you can have the most beautifully produced thing, but if, if, that's all it is. It's a painting. It's got to be compelling. So invest in a writer if you're making content and invest in uh, somebody who knows how to talk to content people in order to get the ball rolling if you're building a, a you know, some sort of platform. So those are, that's, that's my thought on, on, and, and I would just say these are, any startup is hard. Creative startups are, are really hard. <laughs> yeah, definitely true. Definitely. Um, yeah, but you see the more and more creative uh, kind of projects are um, going into the market. I mean, yeah, I think- what I love is that you can let's say you're a musician now, you can actually make a living without ever having to cut a deal with a record label, right? Uh, you you don't, or you can create your own record label now because the distribution vehicles exist that allow you to you know bypass those players. Um, you know, they, so I think there are real opportunities. The key is that you find an audience who's willing to pay you, um, if you get, while you're small, um, and, you know, figure out how to eventually get big so you can do other things like get advertising. But the key is to, is to get started with, uh, you know, I guess it's a lot easier now to get started. It's not any easier now to get huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think, uh, yeah, it seems that it's becoming easier these days. Um, yeah. Let me, yeah, let me remind to our listeners that uh, we have an option here um, to ask questions and to call in. So, yeah, please don't hesitate to give us a call and ask questions. We are talking today with John Zagula. He's a founder of Ignition Capital and... Um, John is expert on uh, marketing and John is working with podcasts and creative industries. And we are having a question here from Renee. Luminary is betting 100 million that people will pay for podcasts. How do you think? Hmm. So the question is about whether people will pay for podcasts. Um, you know, that's always a question. Uh, I, I've actually early in my career, I worked in the magazine industry and, and you know, people pay for magazines. Uh, and in some cases people pay a lot of money for a magazine. I, I pay a lot of money for the economist because I really want that particular content. Uh, but I don't pay anything for listening to the BBC or, uh, the radio. Uh, so I, I guess I feel like the more passionate and committed a target audience and the more, interactive and precious uh, what you offer them, the more likely somebody is going to pay. Uh, I also think that advertisers 
uh, and marketers are going to want to pay to reach uh, podcast audiences, especially as it gets easier to activate those audiences to do something, uh, to, you know, buy something or express their interest or whatever else. I, I still think that that question uh, of getting people to pay for something where they're currently habituated not to is a challenge. But you've seen many, many places where that has occurred, where, you know, Netflix, you know, people pay and people never thought, you know, you, you look at iTunes, people pay for music. Um, so I do think this this can come. I just think it's going to have to be uh, led by people who have the courage to put something behind a paywall for in particular for those who are particularly passionate and then they have to make sure that what they're getting is something special we have uh, one more question i think it's uh, regarding the same topic um and uh, let me comment briefly that uh yeah luminary just raised uh, 100 million this is a comment from uh, renee and uh, another question from eric uh, regarding a uh, similar uh, topic and um, how do you, what do you think uh, of Spotify that recently acquired uh, 200 uh, who recently paid 230 million uh, for Gimlet and uh, 100 million uh, for Anchor what do you think of these acquisitions so uh, as I mentioned, you know, you can actually go to acquire and hear some folks have spent a lot of time thinking about that and give their opinions um you know uh Ben Gilbert but uh i it's interesting i i think that it's a logical thing for spotify which has a very large audience already uh to want to extend uh more and have more content for that audience to listen to so that they kind of have a share of the ear time of that audience and hold on to them more and more so I think it's logical for them as a very broad general player to want to have greater reach. Um, I, I do think that um, one of the things that is true is that in terms of music, you know, there's a limited supply uh, because of the current nature of the music industry. There's a limited supply uh, of music providers. Um, they're either through labels or a few individuals. And so the suppliers there you know, are able to demand at least relatively decent pricing from Spotify for what is largely a pretty consumable uh, piece of content. And so I think they're one thing they're really trying to do is get content that is less expensive and potentially still of long lasting value for them. Um, so I, I think they may have a different perspective than others um, who don't already have as large an audience as they do. Uh, to go after it. So I, I do think that makes some sense. They did also recently require a true crime studio called Parcast, which is just yeah. original content. And, you know, it's really, that one is harder to say, like, uh, you know, maybe that's going to be a great channel, um, you know, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> you know, you really don't know. Um, you know, I, I think in the case of, of making it easier uh, to deliver content and build content from Anchor. You know, I, I'm not sure how much Anchor's hype about, you know, how many podcasters are actually using their product is true. We don't know. Um, but I, I do think both of those moves make some logical sense when you're really trying to be broad, um, you know, and, and hold on to that broad universe of people you have. 
but I also think there's lots of room in this industry for many other players. It's still, it's actually, even though the industry has been around since 2004, I think it's still actually early in the evolution of, of the power of audio and in particular spoken audio. Yeah, but definitely it's a very interesting times are coming and uh, it would be really exciting to watch how this all will develop. Well, uh, I guess I'd say one other comment on that. Uh, so, you know, it's been a while as an investor for years, people would say, oh, podcasting, it's just this small little cottage industry. Who cares? You know, it's not video. Why should you invest? And, um, you know, a few of us were forward thinking enough to say this is a pretty darn interesting space that people are going to be passionate about. And if nothing else, Spotify's acquisitions uh, and, you know, the, some of the other investments that are happening are demonstrating that this actually is a real, real industry uh, that has quite a lot of potential. And I, I think that voting with people with these big companies dollars is a, a great testament to that fact. We have to, we will have to wrap up soon, but before we wrap up, let me welcome a few listeners that just joined. Um, hello, Lou. Hello, Janet. Hi, Eric. Hi, JD. Han Son Jung. Hi, Candace. Hi, Cleo. And, uh, hi, Chris. It's uh, our pleasure to have you guys here on the chat on, this is a Podbytes talk show. And uh, if you have any questions, please type your question in the chat or give us a call. Uh, we are talking today with the investor and the founding partner of uh, Ignition Capital, John Zagula. And John, also an expert in marketing. Before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about marketing and your experience. You spent so many years working in Microsoft. And based on that experience, you with another co-author wrote a book about marketing. So could you please share a few ideas that entrepreneurs can use right away? Um, well, first, I want to caveat and say, uh, if I'm really an expert, I, you know, I haven't actively practiced as a marketing tactician in nearly 20 years. So you should caveat uh, <laughs> what I say with that very, very closely. There's, there just continues to be so many exciting developments on the ways that people can creatively reach uh, target audiences. And I, I won't claim any expertise about that. But I do think in working both at Microsoft, which grew from you know really a pretty small niche player that had low market share to being dominant in a few markets, and then learned to you know actually become out of favor and then come back and then also working with a bunch of companies, uh, there are a few lessons, uh, that I, I think are, are useful to any company and almost any size. Uh, and I, I guess I would say really three things. The first is that, uh, you really have to be thinking about solving a real problem, uh, that real people have. That's a priority for them and not just one that lives in your own head. So don't wait to go talk to people. Uh, to really make sure you understand the problem they're solving. And that problem could be boredom or whatever, but you really need to understand uh, what problem uh, you're, you're solving and make sure that it's real and it's a high priority. The second thing I think is that people, uh, especially technology entrepreneurs, uh, don't spend enough time thinking very hard about how to tell their story. Uh, 
we're here we are talking about a creative industry and podcasters and all these other things, but so often people don't step back and think first, what exactly is the story of why I'm doing this? What is it that I have? How is it different? Who is it for? Uh, so that when they get out there, they can really persuade people. Some of the best ideas in the world never really get anywhere because they haven't been able to translate that idea into a story that gets people excited enough or motivated enough to uh, make a change. So that's the second thing is to spend enough time figuring out what your story is, practicing telling it, and do it over and over again. And then the last thing I would say is that um, – However grand your ambitions are, and even if you're going to change the entire world, start first by focusing, focusing, focusing on something small enough, some universe of people, some target audience, some part of the industry where with what resources you do have, you can actually, uh, you know, really believe that you will be number one, uh, that you have a real chance to be number one for that universe of people or for that part of the industry. Because once you're number one in one thing, then people may believe you can become number one somewhere else. So it's better to start trying to be number one in something smaller than trying to be number 17 in the whole industry that you're in. So just to say that again, solve a real problem. Make sure that you really, really are doing that. Spend enough time figuring out how to tell your story and practicing it and focus hard on one key part uh, and one key area where you really have a chance of becoming the, the true leader in that in that market. We have a question here from our listener, Will, and he's asking, uh, what is your advice? What do you think on how to leverage podcast as a marketing tool? Uh, so the, if I understand the question. It's really how do you use podcasts and the podcasting world as a marketing tool. And I, I don't think there's one singular answer to that question. I think it goes back to the fundamentals first. So the first thing I would do is make sure that you really understand who your target audience is, who do you want to reach, uh, and make sure you understand what's special about what you do. Uh, and uh, so get do the same things I just said about before. Yeah. Make sure you really understand your story, uh, and, and in particular, who you're trying to reach with that story. And then I think there's there's a few things that you may want to try to do. Uh, and one of them is be a podcaster. Uh, I have to tell you that as a blogger, uh, you can you get untoward, you get special notice, you know, you get special attention if you create content that other people listen to and quote or use. So it's an inexpensive way to become a thought leader in your category. Uh, and connect with people. So if you have the ability to create some content and if you're really passionate about your area, talk about it and make a podcast and use that as a vehicle to reach out to people. Don't just use it to promote your product, but to talk about the things that you're caring about. Invite other people. Um, so, some of what we're doing right now. So uh, one thing is to be a podcaster yourself if you're passionate about something enough. The second thing I think is to figure out what podcasts really, really resonate uh, and seem to be targeting the audiences that you're targeting and become advertise on those podcasts, either advertise and pre-roll or reach out directly through any directly to the podcasters themselves to try and, you know, get a mention uh, on their podcast, uh, get a product placement on them, 
You can use any one of a number of, uh, of vehicles to allow you to get advertising, uh, advertise on their websites or otherwise, or advertise on CastBox, which has, you know, or one of the other tools, I'm obviously going to say CastBox, that yeah, yeah. You know, reaches millions of people, you know, 30 million daily active users isn't so bad, um, but has, a, you know, an incredible library and, you know, has a, quite a lot to offer uh, to you as an advertiser. So again, you know, pretty simple. Start first, understand who you want to talk to and what you want to say. Um, really think hard about if you want to create your own channel uh, for having that to say and talk about what you care about. And then use podcasts as yet one more medium uh, for reaching the most passionate target audiences uh, that have a common interest with you. I think Will has asked a really great question. And if you missed the beginning of our talk show, you may find uh, this episode in replays and we will record uh, and upload this an episode later. So please uh, check it out. We at the very beginning of this show, we discussed how to uh, work with uh, niche uh, niche content and how to uh, what kind of uh, niche uh, audiences uh, we have nowadays on the market. Yeah, so f thanks again for your questions. And uh, I see a few listeners that has just joined. Uh, welcome, Sarah. Welcome, Jonathan. Welcome, Chana. Yeah, uh, we'll thank you for your question once again. Welcome, Jean. And uh, I, we're going to wrap up soon. And I just uh, want to remind you guys that if you... Uh, have any questions you just have last chance to type them because we are going to wrap up in a few minutes and um yeah i think it was a very interesting discussion uh thank you so much john thank you it was really insightful and we really enjoyed talking to you thank you valentina it was a lot of fun yeah, thanks. And, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And please join us, uh, next Wednesday. We are on air every Wednesday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, we record this episode and upload it later. Uh, please follow us. And if you want to receive the push notification for this show, uh, please Follow me, follow Broadcaster, and you will receive push notifications so you will be able to join our next show. Our next Podbytes will be on air at 6 p.m. Pacific time every Wednesday. Uh, let me, let me talk about our next show. Um, our next uh, guest will be Edit Young. Edit Young is the creator of the China Internet Report and a partner uh, of Proof of Capital and 500 Startups. So everyone, please join us and uh, we're going to wrap up here. Thanks everyone for listening. Please follow the broadcaster so you will get notified with the next show. Thanks everyone. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.